0: Hello friends, hello baseball fans, listening in Canada, Montana, of course Siam, uh, Ireland, Croatia, big shout out uh, this week to Madagascar, great country, great movie, and we have a bunch of fans there, so uh, welcome to the 13th episode of Bat Flips and Maple Dips, Uh, we're talking about streaking today, no not Frank the Tank from old school, but we're talking about the Jays because well, classic Jays, were streaky. Uh, to my left, we've got uh, the man, the myth of Justin, Justin Anderson. How's it
1: going, bud? Oh, it's going wonderful. Sunshine, birds are chirping. It's a great day. Well,
0: Captain Clichés, I think, should be your <laughs> new nickname. Uh, via Skype, we have uh, the Maritime Mistress Maker and President of the Alan Doyle Fan Club, uh, Patrick Marsh. How's it going?
2: It is going well. We've got a, a heat wave warning out here in Halifax, and I'm happy to report Alan Doyle is doing just fine,
0: even with the heat wave and his long hair. Wow, good. I can I can sleep at night knowing that Alan Doyle is okay. Uh, we're gonna be talking about the week that was because again the Jays streaky as always. Uh, some players are playing great, some players are playing iffy, which is why we're doing our Who's Hot Who's Not. We've got uh, Professor Anderson with his advanced stats program, and <laughs> uh, we're gonna be talking about some pitching for next year's Jays. Who should we sign? Who should we keep? It's gonna be a fun episode, so uh, let's get to it. Um, the series. series. Series against Philadelphia. I mean, 2-1 series win. It's always a good thing when you win a series... Mm-hmm. And I don't think a lot of baseball experts picked us to win this because, first of all, we are horrible <laughs> when it comes to interleague baseball. <laughs> and secondly, Philadelphia is kind of in the playoff race right yeah. now. Yeah. So we kind of played spoiler against them. Let's talk about game one, that 4-2 to win, mm-hmm. uh, the return of Gurriel Jr. Uh, his hit streak was snapped. But what did you guys like about his return? Do you think he looked rusty or anything, Justin? Or? Um
1: well his multi hit streak was snapped in that yeah. game he kept his 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 hit streak alive uh that game um he looked really good in his triple a rehab games but again, they only show the good stuff on from on those highlight films so mm-hmm. that's, that's all I saw. He's looked a little bit shaky since then, but, I mean, he he missed some time against Major League Pitching. It'll take him a week or two to get back into the groove.
0: Gotcha. Uh, Patrick, talk about Ryan Barucky a little bit, because, I mean, a little bit of an iffy start, but he did go six and two-thirds. Seven hits is a little worrisome, but five Ks. Did you like what you saw out of Barucki?
2: Of course. Rocky is back. He got out of a couple jams. He did what he needed to do. Uh, to, I think he got the W, didn't he? He did. Did he get... Credit it. There we go. Yeah. So he's up to 3-3 three and three for the season. It's exactly what I need to see out of uh, my man. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about him much, much later in the program when we talk about rotations. But he's back, and he's doing what he was doing before. He had those bad outings against Boston and New York. So I like it. Makes I me happy. How-
0: I love how Patrick is so quick to say people are back and then people are the opposite of back. They're the worst. They're awful. It seems like every single week there are like four guys that are back and then there are four guys that are gone. It's like a week to week basis for uh, Patrick there. Okay. So what about Ken Giles? Is he back? Is he gone? What's Ken Giles?
2: hundred miles Giles, which is literally the worst nickname in the history of nicknames in baseball. Um, he is doing surprisingly well. I can't believe that he is 17 for 17 or something like that in saves mm-hmm. this year. I don't know why, but like I said this last week, every time I think about Ken Giles, I think of him punching himself in the head, mm-hmm. and I'm just worried that like any <laughs> second now, it could be right now happening that we don't know about it. And he's just having a total breakdown, and I don't like that. I want I, I want a stable player. I kind of like the
0: wild card closer guy. Yeah. I kind of like the guys who are getting a little fired up, Ricky a little wild bit Thing unpredictable, you here. know. Kind of got the uh, John Rocker <laughs> attitude to them, you know. Uh, two weeks ago, we were talking about Ken Giles and if he was the answer at closer for the Jays, and we were all like, eh, I think not really. Do you guys think he could be now?
1: Yeah, I mean, he went two for two this week. That that, that uh, game we are just talking about, he did give up a walk and a base hit to make things interesting, but then he got two strikeouts. That vintage slider that's looking really good right now. Mm-hmm. Um, he was only throwing like 97, 98 in his two outings this week. Um, so he didn't top 100 when he was wearing his 100 Miles Giles Players Weekend jersey. Yeah. But I mean, this when you're throwing 98 and you have a 91 wipeout slider, you don't need to throw 102.
0: Exactly. And Tapera and Clippard are two favorite people on planet Earth. They actually looked okay, but we don't like giving them credit. So let's just move on. Uh, game two, that 8-6 win, the yeah. return of Aaron Sanchez. Everyone was looking at Aaron Sanchez Oof. in this game. Didn't look great. His stuff no, looked good. It did. like His movement was looking good on his yep. pitches. But, I mean, 10 hits, 2 Ks, and that's yeah. it when you're a strikeout pitcher. Uh, Patrick, Aaron Sanchez, are you a little bit worried about him? Or is this just kind of rust from his time off?
2: That's a really good question. Um, When it comes to Aaron Sanchez, I have more to say later. Um, So some more foreshadowing when it comes to talking about our pitchers. I thought he looked like shit in this game. I can't believe we won this game. Uh, I guess credit goes to the bullpen (laughs) for shutting down the Phillies. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know what's going on with Sanchez, but honestly – uh, once he has a really good pitching coach, I do believe he'll be able to turn it around. Um, I'm excited for him to report the real Aaron Sanchez to report back to spring training in late February instead of this like fake, shitty Aaron Sanchez who just seems to throw garbage uh, and give up a lot of hits. I don't know what's going on with him. He just walks everybody, and when he doesn't walk anybody, he's given up. You know, extra base hits. I don't I'm like
1: gonna, it. I'm going to step in and defend my boy for a minute here. I I, I watched this game because I wanted to see Aaron Sanchez uh, pitch. Um, and it was weird sitting down in front of a TV on a Saturday afternoon. I'm not used to doing that. Um, but over the – four, like about half of his hits, at least four of them, were bloopers and just ground balls up the gut, like finding holes. So he was keeping the ball. He did you up a couple of hard contact hits, which – as worrisome, but for the most part, I thought he did a pretty good job of limiting contact. There was two hits in a row. I think it was in the third inning, or maybe it was the fourth. That just kind of blooped in over the shortstop, and I was like, "Oh come on!" Like this guy doesn't need any more bad luck. He's already had blister issues and a suitcase fall on his finger. Like my issues with Aaron Sanchez are are um, just the his, the walks for me. But I mean, his injuries haven't been to his arm. They've been freak finger injuries. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't have, structurally. There's nothing wrong with his arm. His shoulder's fine. Like So, I mean, as long as he can get some work in, he's going to be fine. He'll come back in in February, like Patrick said, with with a good off-season of of work. We won't have to let blisters heal. Nothing's going to be wrong. He'll be able to just do his full off-season program. And hopefully we see 2016 Aaron Sanchez next year.
0: I think we should have traded him. I don't think Aaron Sanchez is ever going to return to the oh. 2015 form that he had. You know, I can't
1: wait to be right again.
0: I just think that, <laughs> I just think that again he had that one good year, and I just think after this it's going to be little injury after little injury after little injury, and then he's going to burn us by going to the Yankees or the Sox and lighting it up. I just can't <laughs> see Aaron Sanchez in a Jays uniform. Yes in the next four or five years. I don't know why. That's why I want to keep him. I just think that he's going to be either hurt all the time and he's going to let us down, kind of like Dustin McGowan did, or he's going to leave and be awesome somewhere else after being hurt so much for us. I don't know why, Mm. but I just got a bad feeling about Aaron Sanchez. Um, Some other little notes from that game. Gurriel's hit streak snapped to 12 games. Yeah. Um, Also, though, Danny Jansen, two hits. He's Mm -hmm. been looking great for the Jays. The future behind the plate is bright for us. And again, the bullpen played absolutely fantastic in that game. The bullpen played really, really good all week when you looked at it. They did. Uh, The starters, not so much. Which brings us to game three of that series. Uh, Marco (laughs) Estrada. Uh, He's been so good for the past three starts. He's been not good. He's been better. But he's been, you know, just better. Just kind of middle of the road Marco Estrada. But two innings pitched. He had four walks, seven hits. I mean, we can't trade him now, and he's probably not going to be with us next year, correct? Because his contract is done this year?
1: He's gone, yeah. So
0: he's gone, so it doesn't really matter. So I don't think we should waste any more time talking about Marco no. Estrada, someone who's not having a good year to begin with, and <laughs> someone who won't be here next year anyway. Um, Gritch had a bomb that game. But other than that, were there any positives to that game, Patrick, with that 8-3 loss? Uh, well, uh,
2: Kendris Morales went deep mm-hmm. again, so that was 7 Straight games yeah. For the home run. club record. Uh, it should come as no surprise that he was the unanimous choice for player of the week in MLB. Yeah. <laughs> um, totally deserves it. Mm. Seven bombs in a row. I mean, it would have been great if he had done this uh, during games where it counted, but I've already said that, and I'm tired <laughs> of complaining about that.
1: So good for him. Yeah, it's a cool streak.
0: It was a cool streak, and again, it would have been – awesome if this was earlier in Mm -hmm. the year or even a little bit before the trade deadline so we could have traded you for something more valuable than what we're mm-hmm. going to get if we do trade you in a few weeks uh, but yeah good for Kendra so it was good kind of seeing him hit the ball if anything it gave Jays fans something to get excited for in a yeah. season that has not been that
1: exciting and uh, I guess the, the Baseball Hall of Fame asked for one of his bats from the streak oh. so it's cool that's cool for him because that's the only thing he's ever going to have in the Hall of, yeah. of Fame so.
2: and... <laughs> I was just going to make that same snipe <laughs> and the low point
0: of the podcast are <laughs> uh, 7 nothing lost to Baltimore the
1: trash birds
0: oh man how do we not score a run against (laughs) one of the worst pitching teams in baseball I mean like Baltimore's pitching is horrendous they're not great and yet we couldn't get base runners we couldn't get any hits we were junk against Baltimore (laughs) do you remember
1: last week when we were talking um about runners in scoring position with this team uh and I, I mentioned how when we get a leadoff double all I pray is that we can get at least one run yeah so they were I think it was the second and the fourth inning in this game. We had McKinney lead off one inning with a double, and I think maybe Pilar was the other inning. I can't mm-hmm. recall for sure, but both times we couldn't get the runner in. Um, when McKinney was on second, Morales unselfishly ground- slapped the ball to the right side to advance him to third yeah. base, but, and he got a lot of high fives in the dugout for that. So praise to Kendris for not just trying to keep that home run streak alive, but making an unselfish play. But then with one out and run around on third we couldn't score him. So
0: let's talk about Gaviglio a little <laughs> yeah. bit because again he looked great up until that sixth inning. Yeah. But uh yeah, that three run bomb well, kind bitch. of really really made things tough for him mm. there. Um, Patrick, your thoughts on Gaviglio here, because you've been kind of a big fan of him the past couple of weeks. What did you think about uh his work up to the sixth inning and what do you make about that if sixth inning?
2: Oh, just uh, he was fine until the sixth. I thought they should have yanked him
1: because mm-hmm. I
2: think his at that time, like his pitch count was starting to get up there. Always, and for yeah. a guy who has been wildly inconsistent, I—I I mean, take yanking him in the in the fifth, it was still zero zero. Um, that's what I I would have done. Um, it, it was like the minute the sixth inning started, everything was just falling apart for him. He couldn't write the ship. He couldn't get his location going. I think he walked a guy or two yeah. during that inning. It was just everything that could have possibly gone wrong for him went wrong. And I knew that three-run bomb was going to happen the minute that we had, he had two guys on base. I was like, here it comes. Watch out! So when you see
0: when you see a younger guy like that kind of start to struggle into the fifth and sixth innings, do you look at that and say maybe he's more suited for the bullpen, or because he still got time to kind of change him between a starter or a bullpen guy? But those young pitchers, you know, they kind of got to find their niche before you you really kind of settle into something like that. Do you see Gaviglio as being? A fourth, fifth starter type of guy for the Jays, or do you see him as kind of being a long relief spot starter kind of guy for the Jays?
2: I see him as the new, better version of what Joe Biagini mm-hmm. was trying to be the last two seasons. Right. Um, now, when I say that he's new and that he's better relative to Biagini, that's <laughs> still not very good. Yeah, true. Uh, Bi- Biagini is still hopeless, uh, although, you know, he did all right this week. Um, Gaviglio, I don't think, I can't, I can't see him being a star. If we want to contend, Gaviglio is not going to be a starter for true. Us, no, true. unless somehow he magically figures it out in February next year. Um, I don't know, but, uh, just as a side note right now, the Jays went down five, nothing to Baltimore in tonight's game. As we record, um, Teoscar Hernandez granted into an inning, inning double play, but it got overturned, and Danny Jansen just walked, so the bases are now loaded for Diaz hmm. with two outs. So I took the Jays in my sports select keep... on that. So ahead, I have a helping. feeling that Diaz is going to strike out or ground out uh, because we have runners in scoring position, and that's <laughs> – that's you know, that's oh, what we do.
1: We'll keep the folks updated on that situation.
2: Yeah, keep them updated yeah. on the game that already
0: happened when they're listening to this. But still, <laughs> I want to know what happened because again, I bet on them. So I really, really want to know what happened there. Can we get a shout out to Murphy Smith as yeah, well? Let's give
1: this guy a hand. Our like, thirty one year old awesome.
0: reliever who made his big leg debut at the age of thirty one, <laughs> one and one third scoreless that. innings. I mean, he's not gonna be with the team after this. He's probably no. just gonna, you know, be with us for the rest of the season. But that's a good feel that's good. That's a great story. story. I mean, a yeah. guy who's
1: thirty one, he's been in the the minors for 10 years he got drafted in like 2008 2009 by oakland i believe it was i looked into it before but 31 he was sitting in a hotel with his parents when he got the phone call too which is really cool he said that he was saying that he was just like sitting there and then his dad like was packing his bags for him because he couldn't he couldn't move he was was just he couldn't believe he was going to the show and i mean a 31 year old guy is still pitching in triple a like good on, awesome. on him for sticking with it that's that's an awesome story
0: absolutely so that was the week that was the week ahead we got two more in baltimore the one going on right now and then Tomorrow. wednesday night's yep. game uh we're in miami after that and then we're playing tampa bay do we yeah. play tampa bay in the trop or at home i
1: think we're at home for that thank
0: goodness um how do you see us doing in those uh eight games let's predict for those eight games the two against baltimore the three against miami and the three against tampa
1: well, uh, Patrick is right. Diaz did strike out. Great, so. awesome. Um, so I see us losing tonight. As <laughs> <So> we're already <laughs> down five to one. Uh, God, we better win at least one against Baltimore tomorrow. If Baltimore gets to forty wins against us, I'll be very disappointed. Yeah. Um, Miami, we should, in theory, sweep them. But knowing us, we'll probably take two. Uh, and then Tampa Bay. Oh, God, they they've won eight in a row as of now. Yeah. They swept the Red Sox yeah. over the weekend. So if, if we can win one game against Tampa, who are a n- nine games worth 500 at this time, we're 60-71, and 71, and they're the opposite. We're 70-61. and 61. I think we'll be lucky to win, oh, God, three games. Wow. The rest of this way here.
0: Patrick, what do you think? In these next eight games, where are the Jays going?
2: We're going 2-6, my friend. Uh, Baltimore is going to get 40 wins. They're Oof. going to sweep us. <laughs> uh, it's going to happen. Just deal with it. Um, the Marlins... I'm going to say we take two from the Marlins and then Tampa comes in to town and dummies us
1: sweeps us again. Yeah.
2: I bet yep. you we go one in seven. I'm gonna one up Patrick. Am I the
1: high guy this week at three? I'm saying we go
0: one in seven. I say we get swept against Baltimore, which will be the low point of our season. We'll get one in Miami, and Tampa will sweep us.
1: I'm gonna put a note in in our sheet here because I don't think I've ever predicted the highest amount of wins. We're just
0: not playing good baseball right now. Uh, I know, again, we had that good series against Philadelphia, but even during that Philadelphia series, we still looked kind of iffy. Philadelphia didn't play their best baseball, and I think that's kind of why we beat Philadelphia and they weren't like they were blowout wins or anything like that. And then again, that 8-3 loss to the Phillies, that 7-0 loss to Baltimore, right now we're losing 5-1. Uh, again, the Jays are just kind of, I think they're just kind of killing time until the season ends, but Tank,
1: tank, tank, whatever. tank.
0: Uh Again, let's kind of uh, talk about the uh, players who are hot and the players who are not. Mm. Uh, Kendris Morales, let's just give him some praise oh, for man. the week. Awesome. awesome. Uh, during that seven-game stretch there, he batted four-23, he had seven dingers, he had 12 RBIs, player of the week, in Major League Baseball, good for Suns Out, Guns Out, Kendris, but again, it's just its too little too late. It's awesome to see. It's awesome to cheer for, but are you a little ticked off that he's doing this at this point, or are you happy for Kendris?
1: You know what? It, at any point in the year a guy does this, it doesn't matter if his team has won 160 games or won 40 like Baltimore um it, it's still really cool to see a guy going on a streak like this we, we we've had a couple of cool streaks like we had guriel's multi-hit streak where mm-hmm. he had tied shoeless joe um and we have morales who tied some some guys on the list and it was one behind griffey jr and a bunch of uh, two other guys for mm-hmm. eight the most all time in a row um so i mean good for him player of the week batted over 400 in a week. To... We've 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 had some very um, Kendrick seems to be on our list every week in one way or another. Last week I think he was on the not list, Yeah, and all he of a sudden was. he's like, huh, "I heard these guys on BFMD talking shit about me, so I'm going to." go He does not listen. Go Let's be real here. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'd be awesome if he did, because I would be like, "Hey, thank you're welcome for the motivation, Kendrick." Mm-hmm. But I mean, him and McKinney have been really highlights this week
0: yeah Patrick talk about Billy McKinney for a bit here because again 421 three dingers seven RBIs uh what do you think about this Billy McKinney guy because at the start he just kind of seemed like another kind of those generic kind of guys if it was the show like if we were playing the show on Xbox or PlayStation he'd be like one of those 72 overall kind of guys but Billy McKinney's really stepped it up hey
2: yeah he definitely has and it's the same thing that's going through Diaz's head. Mm-hmm. They know they're the odd man out, so they're doing everything they can to try to secure a chance at a job next year. That's that's all this is. I mean, I don't how old is Billy McKinney? He's, he's like a, 24, 25 He's
1: young. He's a he's a prospect. He's the one we got for J Hap. So
2: Yeah. Yeah, I just what are his he's utility though, isn't he? Like he, he can he's play al- more than one. He's position? an
1: outfielder. Um he's an oh, outfielder. Okay. He's twenty four. Uh, um, but I mean he's I'd love it if he he's,
2: could he Kevin Flar but I mean
1: He's not a center fielder though. He's a corner guy.
2: Yeah, so I mean if I mean, anyone on our he,
1: roster is replacing our 25 man's replacing Kevin going to be Gritch.
0: Yeah, easily. Yeah. I think I'd rather have
2: Gritch than McKinney. Uh,
1: T.O. can't play center field. He can't play the corner. I don't Know what
2: I mean What I'm saying is like if McKinney continues uh like playing like this. Oh, I'm I'm uh, thinking I'm see saying see if Kevin, Oscar. if
1: Kevin's gone, then we'll have T.O. Gritch and McKinney in the outfield. That's Yeah, but then that we don't have gone. anyone to play center. Gritchuk will play center. Ugh.
0: Kevin Pilar will play center.
1: I know, but I'm saying if if in the in the scenario that because Ke- people are saying Kevin Pilar might be traded this offseason, that's a rumor flying around. No. So if Kevin Pilar happens to be gone Randall Gritchick's played a lot of center field in his career, and he's played played very well in center field.
0: Out of all the guys we have right now, I'd rather have Gritch Daddy at center than anyone else. Oh, yeah, for sure. Just because of the (laughs) fielding-wise, range-wise, hitting-wise, I'd way rather have him at center field. Yes. But, I mean, there are other options we could put out there, and it wouldn't be the worst options, but at the same time, I mean – gritrick has been inconsistent. He's been streaky, which is the theme of this episode. But uh,
1: Defensively, he's good, though.
0: Defensively, he's great. Again, he's kind of like another Kevin Pillar without the flashy place. Yeah. Uh, let's get into uh, the bullpen here. Joe genie. We yerp him a lot, but his last seven games, his ERA is under one. So good for you, Joe Biagini. Kind of like Kendris Morales. little too late, bud. Would have loved this at the start of the season. (laughs) Thanks a lot for picking it up when we're 60 and 71, though. Um, And then the whole bullpen. I mean, we rip on the bullpen a lot. Talk about the bullpen a little bit here, Patrick, because it's got to be tough for bullpen guys when you have this kind of record and you know games don't really matter to stay into it and pitch Mm -hmm. well, but they're really pitching well.
2: It is so frustrating every week for us to talk about the bullpen because when our bullpen is playing well, we're losing, and when the bullpen is liquid shit, we're winning. I know. Yeah. I'm so tired of it. I hate our whole bullpen. I just want to fire them all into the sun. <laughs> there it is. Put them all on a rock, a rocket and just shoot it right into the sun.
0: And then next I'm week, so... our
2: bullpen is back, man. <laughs> our bullpen's back. No. They're all dead to me. I miss I miss the Axeman and I miss Sangwon Oh. I, I don't care. I just don't care about any of these players anymore. I just want them all gone. I just want us to build a new bullpen from the ground up during the off season. I don't care. I don't want to see any of their faces ever again. I'm kind of like Patrick
1: right now. The thing like bullpens. Those are so liquid. I like think it's, it's, they're constantly like you can, you can go on the street and sign Mike Housechild and let him come in and throw pitches for you. Right. It's, but
0: I'm over them right now. Like oh, yeah, I'm kind of too. with Patrick right now. Like I just want a new team. Yeah. Like I want oh, a new yeah. bullpen. I'm I want a new too. lineup. I want all these new guys to come up. I'm sick of the team that we have. I want our new team. I'm.
1: Well, we did it this year when we brought in Clippard. O, That's true. And, and You can go. Like I said, you can go and just go into the street and find a guy to throw 98 miles an hour for you. Like the bullpen guys are a dime a dozen now. Like you can get somebody anywhere. Yeah. Whether or not they'll be effective, like like the Josh haters of the world, or. Kenley Jansen when he was actually good with the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's tough to say, but you can get guys to throw innings like Justin Schaefer is right now. He walks many guys, but he's doing all right. Um, but I mean, it's so easy to find a guy to put pitch in the bullpen that for us for the next couple of years we're just going to be cycling through probably. Let, let me or ask years. a question
2: though: Why in the name of God is this the 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 organization so hell bent on forcing? Joe genie on us I'm so (laughs) over him I'm so tired Of seeing him get a chance to play Major League Baseball
0: It might be because we overhyped him because when we picked him up, everyone was like, man, he's look at this real, guy that we got through the Rule 5 track. drop. Yeah. Look at this steal that we got. Look at this. Look how good our scouting oh. is. Look how good our farm reports are. Look at all this work we did on this guy. And it paid off at the start. Joe Biagini was lights out his first year at the Jays. Mm-hmm. Ever since then, it's been all downhill. Down. There haven't been very good moments. But I think Don't it's because stop. they were like, hey, like this guy, look what we did with this guy. We turned him around, and they put a lot of effort into him. And I think they're not ready to say bye to him yet. But I think everyone else is just about ready to say bye to him. Uh, speaking of saying bye to people, who's not? Uh, Tyler Clippard, obviously. I don't think he's been on the hot list yet. He's always <laughs> been on the not list. Uh, 4.76 ERA through seven games in the bullpen. That's not what you want. Nope. At least he's pitching better than Marco Estrada, though. Because, yeah, his 7.04 ERA. He's got 16 walks and 30 innings. Like, not mm. good for Marco. But, again, I will always remember Marco Estrada for the, playoff. the playoffs. The playoff starts when he yeah. was toughing out his back injury and just gutting through the pain and pitching well. Will you remember Marco Estrada as the playoff guy, or you remember Marco Estrada for what he's doing this year and maybe a little bit last year where he kind of faltered a little bit? How are you guys going to remember Marco Estrada?
1: I think we got to take the good with Marco. Um, unfortunately for him, his his old man back has just given out on him. And he's just not gonna be the pitcher he ever was. But yeah, I like that like those games in Texas that he that he pitched there, that that's what I'll mm-hmm. remember Marco for.
2: Patrick. There was a time where Marco Estrada had the best change up in baseball. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Super deceptive. Loved watching him pitch. It was a pleasure. Um I will remember that very brief moment in time, but I don't want to be too negative about him, but I feel like he kind of represents a, the years of transition for the Jays more than the glory days. So I'm going to remember the Marco Estrada we've seen this season because, well, it's the most recent in memory, but also it's I it just goes to show how quickly a player can deteriorate when they have a very poor pitching coach as well as, The old man back. Yeah.
0: I will always remember him as a guy who came in and one of those underrated players that didn't get the star treatment, kind of like an Edwin did or or Josh did or a Strowman did, or even when we got too low in price, Mm -hmm. he was kind of the forgotten guy of those Jays stars. And I would put him in that star category during those two playoff years for the Jays. i definitely put him in that star category, like the last one. Because, again, we were loaded. We had Josh. We had Edwin. We had Jose Batista. We were loaded. And especially at pitching, too, with David Price and Strowman and Sanchez. He was like our fourth guy. And he was an awesome fourth guy. So I'll always remember him as kind of one of the most underrated players during our two playoff years there. Because, man, did he have a good impact. Mm -hmm. But it sucks seeing him go like this. Uh, Aaron Sanchez, we already talked about him. He had a not week. Um, Guriel, I think it's expected that him or that he go a little cold. He was out for a long time. He went one for 10 in the last three games. I think that's expected, though, because he was out for so long. So it yeah. should be on the not list. But Devin Travis, Kevin Pillar, and Justin Smoke should not be on the not list right now. For as much praise as their bats get, maybe not Kevin Pilar, but for Devin Travis and for Justin Smoke, they should not be on the knot list, okay? They should not be on the knot list yeah. right now. The fact that they are both one for 19 in the last five games. It's bad. It's really bad. It's really, really Kevin bad. Kevin Pilar, I understand, because Kevin Pilar is not known for his bat, he's known for his fielding. Travis and Smoke, it's the opposite. They are known for their hitting. Mm-hmm. So what do you guys think? I know Kevin Pilar is kind of the big one. He's been struggling. But I would say Travis and Smoke are more disappointing than Kevin Pilar. What about you guys?
1: Yeah, for me, it's Justin Smoke. <laughs> um, as Patrick keeps blowing up the Pilar text in our <laughs> document. <laughs> oh, uh, Justin Smoke for sure. I mean, prior to this last couple of weeks, he'd been swinging a really hot bat since the All-Star break. Uh I'm not sure what's happened here in the last couple weeks of August, but he's really just almost fallen off a cliff. I don't know if he's getting tired. He hasn't had much of a break over there at first base. Maybe we need to throw Morales out there for a couple of games and mm-hmm. give Smokey a couple of days off. And we might see that. I mean we're almost we we have three days left this month after today. Um and I think one of those days is an off day for us, maybe. Uh but we're almost two expanded rosters. Yeah. It's gonna happen. We're we're gonna call somebody up and Smokey'll be able to get a little a bit of a breather most likely. And especially for our guys. Like I mean, he's he's already reached his at bats limit for um his his option to be the highest it could be. So I mean for him like he's got nothing really uh money wise to play for at this point. So seeing him and Travis probably get more days off down the stretch for some young guys will be great.
2: Patrick go
0: off on Kevin Pilar. I know you want to
2: I will in a second, but first we gotta address the other two. Uh, who have been terrible uh, the last week. Uh, De- this is the perfect time for Devin Travis to self-destruct for the team because it really starts to take his name out of the equation for next year. Um, the worse that he looks this year, the better off we are when we're planning our team next year because we can better justify bringing up a player like Cavon Biggio or have Guriel play second or even... Bo Bichette or whoever can play second, um, you know, in a spot start or whatever. The more that Travis suffers, the better off the team is. I'm not saying I'm enjoying it, Hmm. but I like the idea of moving on to a different player. Uh, Smoke Daddy getting cold. I mean, he's got nothing to play for. He's probably tired. Uh, This team has sucked ass all year. He's probably tired of talking about it, probably tired of thinking about it. He, You know, he just went through a cold spell. Kevin Pillar, nothing makes me happier, Clayton. Nothing is more music to my ears than listening to you smash Pilar for having a terrible week because I also want to move on from Kevin Pillar. And when you bash him for going two for 16 in four games, it's just it's a thing of beauty for me. <laughs>
1: Oh, Kevin Pillar—he's the topic of much controversy on Bat Flips and Maple Depths.
0: Again, I love him, but he can't go two for sixteen. He just—he can't do that. He's yeah. gotta—he's gotta get a little bit more consistent at the plate. Again, I love him, and I think his defense outweighs his bat. But I mean, sometimes it's just the way she goes. That
1: I'm glad we're not talking about bat. defense and advanced stats. Today.
0: Exactly. Uh, let's talk <laughs> about the farm and some injury updates and some other news. Hey,
2: one thing, one thing, Clayton. Before we go. This was Players Weekend, which meant it was an opportunity for all the guys to kind of show off some individuality on the weekend. So all the players across MLB got to put some kind of cool nickname if they have one. Some of them didn't, obviously. But uh, who do you guys think out of all of MLB won Players Weekend with the coolest nickname?
1: Brad Boxberger. He had the uh, emoji. He had the box You're and the burger oh. on the back of his jersey. That's
0: pretty good. That's really good.
1: I also i i do like uh like you know, like the grand like Grandy man. That's yeah, a sweet, that's a sweet nickname. Mm-hmm. Uh, i I didn't watch too much around the league. Um, I saw Mike Trout put the uh, name of of his relative who had passed away. Yeah. a few weeks ago on his jersey, which was really a really cool tribute from him. Love me some Mike Trout. Um, I know I stole I just stole Patrick's Patrick's uh, Boxberger. Yeah, <laughs> Nick. So excited
2: to talk about Brett Boxburger, and you
1: just. To well, you asked?
0: <laughs> again, I still think Jose I Batista's know. is
1: the best. Joey, Joey Bats—that's Bats? That's cool. the best
0: nickname in baseball. Like Joey Bats, mm-hmm. just sounds like a ball player name right there. Yeah. Uh, again, let's talk about news. The farm report, injury reports. Uh, Jaime Garcia, bye bye. See ya. <laughs> huh, get it because his last name is yeah. See ya. All right, bad joke, whatever, thanks guys Uh, Luis Santos, see ya Uh, No one claims Smoke or Granderson Yet, Yet. I can see someone Claiming Curtis Granderson, maybe not Justin Smoke, I don't think we'd really let him go But Curtis Granderson, I think he uh, might Be gone, Uh, when it comes to our minor league Teams, they're killing it, the Fisher Cats Lansing and Bluefield, they're all off to the playoffs Yep, Buffalo didn't make it Maybe if they would have had Vladdy the entire Year they would (laughs) have, because he's batting like 465 Right now with Buffalo,
1: 365
0: 365, sorry, yeah, 465 would just be insane. <laughs> yeah. uh, Dunedin don't miss the playoffs. They always fucking do. <laughs> um, minor league playoffs. Are you guys gonna follow along? You're gonna get excited about this at all?
1: Uh, I'm I'm curious. I'm gonna be curious to watch Bluefield and the Fisher Cats mostly. Um, Bluefield's where like Jordan Groshans is playing right now. Yeah. So well, there's there's some really and Eric Pardino's down there too. Um, there's there's some really young prospects down there, and the Fisher Cats will be fun as well. I, I'm curious. I'm wondering. Can the Fisher Cats get Vlad back for the playoffs? Because like, the Buffaloes, no, they no, can't. So Vlad will just be, his season is just going to be over, I guess. Which, yeah, I uh, think so. Kind of sucks. God, for... I
2: hope he doesn't get called up. He
1: won't. There's no way in hell they call him up. Um, but Dunedin did have a good season. Like, they finished third in their league, and they, they were well above 500. It's just they, they their uh, division had a couple of really good. I think it's Detroit's and Phillies farm teams are in their division, and they yeah. had great seasons. Um, so they did have a good year in, in the Florida State League uh but yeah the fisher cats and bluefield for sure gonna be teams to watch in the playoffs
0: patrick are you getting excited for minor league playoffs or could you care less
2: um yeah i don't really care too much about it because i don't have a subscription to milb tv i
1: might get it i wish i did but i don't uh who plays for the Lugnuts right now why are they good um, Ryan Noda's down there. Uh, I believe he plays first okay. base, if I'm not mistaken. And he is having a great year. And they have a couple of guys. Uh, Chavez Young is down there um, stealing a ton of bases. They, they have a very, very fast outfield. They've got a couple of guys okay. who have combined for stealing over 80 bases this season between the two of them. So they have some really wow. fast base stealers down there. Their, gotcha. their pitching is a bit suspect. We don't have too many uh, high-end pitching prospects pitching in Lansing. But they do have a good offensive team.
0: So let's talk about our injured guys for a bit here. Uh, Salarte, he's still two, three, two to three weeks away. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's begun throwing, he's begun hitting, but. We don't really care about him we at this
1: point. Really do we don't really care
0: about him at this point. I would almost, again, rather him not come back. Maybe save some time or some playing time for the other younger guys and see what we have in those guys Mm because we know what we have in Celarte already. So just get healthy for next season. But it's time for our weekly Josh Donaldson updates because it looks like
1: he's playing tonight. He's
0: playing tonight in Dunedin. Um, It looks like he'll have about three, maybe four games to show other teams that he's healthy and can be productive uh, before that 31st trade deadline. I don't think that's enough time to show teams that he's healthy.
1: It might be, um, because you guys always you guys always bring up oh it's Josh Donaldson it's Josh Donaldson true he's gonna he he walked in his first at bat by the way tonight, um, so I, I mean they need him to be to be placed on revocable trade waivers he has to play in a game to showcase that he's healthy and then it takes up to forty eight hours for the MLB to. Place him through waivers but it, it'll it'll happen quick if it does so after tonight if josh Donaldson shows that he can play a full nine innings at third base he will be placed on revocable waivers by the team and come the morning of the 30th or the 31st it'll be approved at the latest and then the jays can work out a trade of somebody whoever claims him kind of thing gotcha. and i think somebody will whether or not a trade gets done is another story because once somebody puts the claim in then they have to tr- tr- talk to exclusively with yeah. that team to trade for him. So somebody's going to be waiting at by the phone for to get the call saying had yeah, this dancing thing is approved. He's on waivers and then the phone's going to ring like right like that. Yeah. Somebody's going to take a stab at him if only to keep him from being traded to somebody else. <laughs> yeah.
0: Patrick, do you think uh Josh will be traded before that 31st deadline?
1: Mm
2: uh... I don't know. It's hard to say. It depends on how the rehab start goes. Mm -hmm. I was convinced by Justin to say that he has not played his last game as a Blue Jay. And that was last week I said that. I feel like if I go back on that again, I'm just going (laughs) to look wishy-washy. So I'll say I don't think a deal gets done. Um, Even though we should totally have the mentality of, like, let's get something for him. And I'm all for it, don't. Yeah, I just don't see it happening. I mean, unless he's getting traded to St. Louis, maybe. I just don't know. I don't know if Josh Donaldson even, like, what he wants to do. As far as I'm concerned, from what I've heard, he wants to stay in Toronto.
1: That's the right thing uh, to say, he loves it though, too. The,
2: he loves the city. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I I don't know if he'll even want to be traded i know yeah, he has no saying in it you don't really I...
1: hear like you don't hear too many guys say oh, i want to leave like the, the professional thing to say is oh i want to stay here right? yeah so i mean if, if josh donaldson wasn't saying that i don't think anybody re- would read into it as long as he's not saying that he wants to leave people are going to assume that he wants to stay yeah right
2: yeah but this season was like the worst case scenario for his career like the absolute worst case scenario yeah is mired by injuries Oh man! Uh, very severe underperformance. Now he's entering into a season just like Jose Batista did, where he's probably anticipating a qualifying offer, and he might not even get that from Toronto because that's a heavy investment for a player who is perpetually injured, uh, has underperformed when he wasn't injured in recent years, and yeah. we already have a very young, healthy strong third baseman prospect who probably should be our starting third baseman next year. So right.
1: so hypothetically, yeah. If we offer Donaldson a qualifying offer and he accepts it, would you think that him and Vlad would platoon between third and DH?
0: I would hate that.
1: Would we see Kendrys Morales yeah. just get either get traded or DFA? Do you think that would be what would happen? Yes. Would you be okay with that? No, yeah, yeah, the
0: answer should be no. I agree. We either got to make a decision, one or the other: leave laddie in AAA mm-hmm. and keep Josh in the majors, or move Josh to short. Like
1: that? Oh God, no! That's not the worst idea, um, but <laughs> I, I. No, do you think Donson can play corner outfield? The worst no idea. <laughs> um, he started as a catcher, which in his in his with the, with the A's. It, it, I think we're if he's not traded, we're going to give him a qualifying offer. You mm-hmm. know, if he doesn't accept that, then we'll get that compensatory draft pick in the, in the end of the first round. Mm-hmm. So we're going to get something for him, whether or not it's via trade or via the compensatory draft pick. We'll get um, at least something marginal for Josh. It, it's it yeah, like like you said, the worst year for him to have this happen, a contract year two years removed from an mvp like oh man it's it it sucks to watch
0: yeah it does he was my favorite player still is my favorite player i love watching josh play but Mm -hmm. not right now because he can't play to the full (laughs) potential that is josh
1: donaldson uh
0: let's let professor anderson have the stage here for a bit uh he's going to be talking about some advanced stats and not pitching this time we're talking about hitting
1: we're going to go back to offense we're going to talk about uh weighted on base average it's the Better cousin to on-base percentage. So when when you're talking about on-base percentage or OPS, or OBP, sorry, um, all hits, any way you a walk, any way you reach base is considered equal. So a, a double is worth the same as a home run, is worth the same as a base on balls. So when you're talking about weighted on-base average, they don't do that. So uh, when you're talking about OPS again too, it's on-base plus slugging. So that also thinks that slugging and on base are equal, which really on base percentage is, is about one point eight times more valuable than slugging. So if a guy has, uh, a, we'll say, well, just for math, a one thousand on base percentage he gets on base every time, that's more valuable than him having a one thousand slugging. Yeah. It, it, apples to apples, which you can't really do, unfortunately. Um, Ooh, Josh Donaldson hit a single, by the way, in a gotcha. second at bat. Nice. I was watching that. <laughs> uh, so with with, uh, with weighted <laughs> weighted on base average, uh, the calculation is there's a bunch of different uh, constants. Kind of like when we talked about FIP, how there's a FIP constant. It's adjusted every year. It's park adjusted, whatever. Um, so different things are worth different values. So let's just look at this way. So uh, you times all of your base hits by 0.88. And all of your doubles by 1.2. So basically, a, a, a double is worth more, as it should be, correct? Mm-hmm. So with weighted on base average, you do all of the ways you reach base, and then you divide it by at bats plus walks minus intentional walks plus your sack flies and hit by pitches. So there's just a bunch, of, it, it factors everything in. So getting into an example here Mike Trout, 2013, he had an on base percentage of 432. His stats, when they were calculated with, with this weighted on base average formula, That was 4.23, so it was actually about nine points lower Mm -hmm. than his on-base. So there have been years in his career where Mike Trout has had a a weighted on-base average higher than his on-base, but typically you'll see your uh, OBA a few points lower. So, for example, this season the league OBP is 3.19, and the weighted on-base average is 3.15, so a four-point difference. Basically, it takes out um, just the equal measure of everything. Gotcha. So looking at the Jays, we have we have some really cool examples on our team. So our team on-base percentage is 3.14 and our on-base average is 3.20. So our our league the league average OBP is actually 5 points higher than our team on-base, but our OBA is 5 points higher than league average. Mm-hmm. So we we see a couple of different things there. So I picked three guys to look at uh, Teoscar Hernandez, Russell Martin and Randall Gritchuk. So Teoscar Hernandez has an on-base of 299, which is low, but his weighted on-base average is all the way up to 327. That's a 28-point difference. So the reason for this being is that Teoscar Hernandez gets a ton of extra-base hits, Yeah. but he strikes out a lot. That's why his on-base percentage is low, mm-hmm. but his weighted on-base is higher because his extra-base hits account for a higher percent. They higher make point. up for it, yeah. So Gritrick is about the same with a 322 or a 322 weighted on base versus a 291 on base percentage. The same cause as Teoscar, a lot of power numbers, and a high amount of strikeouts, low walk rate. Yeah. Russell Martin's the interesting case here. So his on base percentage is 340 because of his high walk rate, but his his weighted on base is 309. So it's 31 points lower than his on base. So if you look at his on base, it's 141 points higher than his 199 average, which is... Awesome for wrestling. Even with his weighted on base, it's still 110 points better. So his walks are good, but they're not as good as base hits. Yeah, That's basically what weighted on base average is saying. Uh, he doesn't hit for power anymore, uh, but he's still drawing a ton of walks. So his on-base percentage this season is higher than it was in 2015, and that year he batted 240 with 23 home runs. So his on-base that year was 329, and his weighted on base was 340, which is what is... On base percentages this season, mm-hmm. but it's an 11 point difference. So his his walks that year were lower, which made his power numbers create more of a gap. Yeah. So what it, what it looks like is the moral here is that while the overall on base and weighted on base average is separated by only a few points, it varies widely between players. So looking at it looking at it from an average standpoint, you can't really say, "Oh, the league average is this." You have to look into more depth because when you look at a guy like Martin. The, it's a more accurate representation of what of what he's bringing to the table. So a lineup full of Russell Martins might walk a lot, but they're not going to score a ton of runs mm-hmm. because they're moving up one base every time. Whereas if you have a lineup of Russell Martins, and Tasker Hernandez, and Randall Grichuk, you'll have some walks in there sprinkled with some power numbers. Yeah. And that's what leads to runs. And that's why you see, like, I mean, I, I don't like talking about uh, RBIs as a, as a stat that measures player quality. Because not all players are in RBI situations. Like You have guys like a JD Martinez who are paid to drive those runs and because they're in the third and fourth spot in the lineup versus a guy like a Kevin Pillar who bats in the seventh or eighth spot. So it's a little bit different. So looking at this, this is like the catch-all offensive value stat is weighted on base average. I don't care so much for um, looking at walk percentages or ISO, which is a power metric. If 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 a player has an on base average above league, then they're a good player.
0: Okay. The only thing I disagree with there is the RBI stat thing.
1: You like RBIs?
0: Yeah, because our team can't fucking get RBIs. That's
1: the thing. We w- can, when you yeah. get RBIs, that means
0: you can drive runners in when they're in scoring position. That's the one thing we need right yeah, now. Well, so if I see guys who can get RBIs, get them on our team. We have like,
1: guys with RBIs though, but we just don't have anybody on base because of our abysmal team batting average it's it's bad i don't know i i i like this stat just because it stops saying that walks are equal to home runs when they calculate on base percentage and that bothers me because okay. a home run is worth way more than a walk any day like yeah it's you're scoring a run automatically mm-hmm. and in the in the in the calculation a walk is worth about 0. 0.69, where eh, nice. Whereas a home run is worth 2.1, so it's about three times. Yeah, what has more should. as yeah. it should be, yeah. right? Because you're you're circling four bases right away. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it's a better stat for looking at the overall representation of what a player has brought to the table. It's not future looking like like FIP is for pitchers. There's not really a great stat for batters that's future forward. It's all looking at what they've done up to this point. But you still get a pretty good idea if you look back at their career numbers. You'll notice that guys like a Mike Trotter, Russell Martin, their weighted on base averages haven't changed much over their careers. But you'll see that the numbers that contribute to it did. Like we talked about Martin having that 23 home run season where his batting average was 50 points higher than it yeah. is now. Um, but then he goes this year and has a terrible average, but he's walking 20% of the time. So it kind of balances out but you still have to go in and look deeper as to what, what went into contributing to the number.
0: Yeah, I like that stat. It kind of shows, like, yeah, like power hitters are going to have a, a better OBA, and it's, yeah. uh, it just kind of shows the quality of hits. They're not just hitting singles and walking. They're hitting doubles. They're driving guys in. They're uh, getting extra bases. Yeah, hits.
1: it's not necessarily meaning that they'll have a, a better uh, weighted they just, OBA. They just have a better chance of doing so because mm-hmm. you still see russell martin still has a 309 weighted on base average which is good for his for his 199 average um he still has a higher gap between his batting average and his oba than grich or Tio do just yeah. because of the fact that he does take walks it's just saying that if, if all those players had the same 250 batting average Russell Martin would really stand out as the lesser of the three just because he doesn't have the power numbers anymore.
2: Gotcha. All yeah. right, let's talk about pitching now. I, I have a question. Hitting. Oh, sure, continue, just cause, like go on because I was just waiting for my opportunity. Yeah. When you set a team full of Russell Martins at mm-hmm. first, I could feel a lot of bile coming up from my stomach <laughs> into my throat because <laughs> the idea of it is just disgusting. <laughs> but then I started to think, Russell Martin, no matter how much we rag on him, uh, has an excellent eye and gets on base a third of the time, period, yeah. right? We can't yeah. really, like, argue that, right? Yeah, so, no. in theory, a team full of Russell Martins, which we'll say it's like nine guys. They all have a 199 average, um, and they also have an OBP of 340.
1: Yeah.
2: It's probably going to take them longer to score runs Definitely. than – a team of nine Gritch daddies who are just gonna be either hitting bombs or striking out. <laughs> yeah. But in the long term, wouldn't a, a team full of Russell Martins be better because you're they're with the of averages, they're more likely to be able to have like one to two grand slams like per game. Yes. Yeah, because see, of the high wall rate.
1: These examples are fun to think of until you start thinking of them in the actual theory. Because a team full of Russell Martins, the, the opposing pitching staff is just going to be blowing pitches by them all day. Because right, like we always say, with Martin, he's, he's swinging that plastic shopping bag, right? He can't actually hit the ball. <laughs> so the reason that he's getting on base is because these pitchers aren't throwing balls in the strike zone. And Russell Martin doesn't swing yeah. at balls inside the strike zone. So if there's a team full of nine Russell Martins in the lineup, sooner or later, that opposing pitching staff is going to figure that all we have to do is throw fastballs past this guy. He can't catch up to it anymore. Yeah. And, and it's, this it's is not the limitation
2: work. of of the stat as well. Like when you're doing that comparison, because yeah,
1: that and that's why I say you can't you can't look at it from from a team average standpoint. You have to look at each individual player, because and and you you can't look at just one season. That's why I brought up Mike Trout's 2013 numbers because they aren't much different in terms of weighted on base than they are right now. Uh, you have to look at what a guy's done in the past, which is why I like that pitching stat uh, Sierra it looks back, and you can kind of get a, a pattern for what a guy's done over his career, because lineups are going to change; they're not going to have the same people hitting around them all the time. Um, so, if somebody has consistently put up similar numbers over their career, you can probably be pretty safe to assume that they're that they'll do the same thing in the future. So that's why I mean I understand what you're saying with the with the team full of Russell Martins walking a lot, but having people around you on base is why you walk too, because there's pressure on the pitcher to throw strikes or to not give up a hit
2: yeah that makes so sense it's me. it's
1: fun it's it's fun to think about it that way i love it <laughs> but at the same time it's it's a bit unrealistic unfortunately
0: all right we've spent way too much time talking about our fake all russell martin all gritchick team a, or whatever we're doing here that's a simulation i'd like to something run. that will never fucking happen cool. ever
1: so, I'm going to do it in out of the park
0: now. Let's, uh, let's talk about pitching here. A quick roundtable discussion here. We're going to be talking about the Jays' rotation next season. I think we yeah. can all agree at this point, Mark Stroman, Aaron Sanchez, and Ryan Baraki will be our 1-2-3 next year. Maybe not 1-2-3, but they will be They'll in our be three pitching rotation. Those are going to be our three guys. Yeah. We have two spots to fill. Uh, today's roundtable is who... Should fill those two spots. Mm-hmm. Will it be someone like a Sean Reed Foley? Will it be a free agent? And we're going to go around the table here and kind of discuss what the best strategy is for the Jays regarding their pitching rotation. So again, Stroman, Sanchez, and Baruchi—they're in. Uh, let's talk, or let's start with Patrick here. Patrick, who are your other two going
2: to be? I'm breaking rules again because I'm oh, going off-road right at the start. <laughs> I want to preface this with the fact that this is. To me, I treated this like a thought experiment and by no means an endorsement or a condemning of the pitchers who I chose. The purpose of the discussion is just to speculate and it would be boring as hell if I just sat here and just barfed up all the same things that Justin's going to say. So I just figured, let's just have a little bit of fun with it. And since initially we were talking mostly about free agents, I wanted to pick more free agents than what we actually need. So... Bear with me
1: (laughs) because I'm going off
2: road right away. (laughs) Uh, The way I see it is that, and again, this is in the thought experiment, one of Stroman and Sanchez is expendable because both are struggling tremendously uh, and we're not going to be able to contend with both of them failing to reach expectations. So I live in the world where I'm assuming we want to contend next year and that we want to build a rotation that's going to be – more competent than what we have now for me. I believe Sanchez has a much higher ceiling than Marcus Stroman. He's proved it in the past. Um, But his stubbornness when it comes to dealing with injuries has led to more injuries or re aggravation of injuries. Uh, The blister thing was handled really poorly Uh, and then jamming his finger and then insisting on trying to pitch further again. He even admitted himself, not the smartest idea Mm -hmm. I don't know if I necessarily trust him to have the brains to, to do what he needs to do to succeed the same way that he once did. So for the sake of the thought experiment, I said that our number one starter moving forward is going to be Marcus Stroman. That's not meant to be a slight against Sanchez or some sort of high praise on uh Marcus Stroman, but it's just a hypothetical of where I get to design the rotation from the ground up. Right. So number one, Marcus Stroman, uh, For our number two starter, and this is 100% a Justin choice, (laughs) and I kind of lifted this from previous discussions, so credit goes to him for this. I'm going with Patrick Corbin, who is currently pitching for the Arizona Diamondbacks. He's a left-handed pitcher who has been extremely reliable uh, for the Diamondbacks this year. Right now, his FIP is 2.39, which is elite. His ex-FIP, which takes into account home runs, 260 um whatever he has tapped into this season, he's striking out eleven guys per nine innings and walking only two point one three batters per nine innings and only giving up 0.64 home runs per nine innings. Uh in a division filled to the brim with hitters parks, we need a strikeout machine to be out there limiting fly balls as much as possible. That's what Patrick Corbin does. And putting him in a Blue Jays uniform gives us that flamethrower who has the ability to strike guys out really easily. We saw that when Sanchez and Hap were in complete control of their fastballs, they dominated. Corbin's only 29. It'd be great to offer him up a deal for five years at $15 million, um, which is a totally reasonable amount of money to offer him. Um, I don't think we should go any longer term than that. He's only going to turn 30 July next year. This is the perfect left-handed pitcher that I think is going to command more money than $15 million a year because people are going to start realizing just how good he is. But my pick would be Patrick Corbin for our number two starter. Mm-hmm. Um, number three, it's show spot to lose. Ryan Barucki uh, has proved he can play the Sox and Yankees and win just as much as he has proved that he can pitch to them and lose. <laughs> he has an average fit. Uh, he's got a good changeup. He just needs to work hard in his location during the offseason to get back to where he was when he first came up to the show. But I believe he can do it. It's his spot to lose. There's not really anything else to be said. Uh, For the number four spot, I went off-road again. Uh, I'm going with the 28-year-old right-handed pitcher Nathan Avaldi, who's currently pitching on Boston. He's had a very meh season, but he's a solid right-handed pitcher choice in free agency. He's only 28 years old. This is his first big league season where he's, he's pitched a lot of innings. Uh, his FIP is average. Uh, his XFIP is uh, around the same at 3.78 uh, compared to uh, 3.83 FIP. So he's competent. Um, he has the ability to strike guys out per nine innings. He's good at limiting walks as well as home runs. Um, he should come really, really cheap. I could see us getting him four years, $5 million. Mm-hmm. So $20 million for a guy who can chew up innings while the rest of our other pitchers try to figure it out. Uh, and number five, I went super off-road, like super, super off-road, uh, and went with uh, a choice that I've mentioned before on the podcast, Tyson Ross. Uh, he is a very competent pitcher who is bouncing back from a terrible 2017 I could see us getting him for less than three million million, um, two two year, uh, $6 million total. If he fails, he goes to the pen and chews up innings just like Joe Biagini. If he succeeds, he's a great trade piece. Uh, if we're out of it in July, um, obviously we have a dearth of AAA pitchers like Sean Reed Foley, Joe Biagini. Sam Gaviglio, and Thomas Pannone, whose train I am firmly off now after tonight's start. Because oh it's been a total disaster. <laughs> um, out of all these guys, and I'll even add in Nate Pearson into this list, uh, SRF is probably the closest. But he got roughed up so badly when he came up. I just think he he needs a little bit more time in A to figure it out. Ross will give us that number five option to chew up innings. And... Uh, maybe do a little bit of damage uh, as far as success. And again, if he's great, we trade him. If he's bad, he goes to the bullpen. If someone in AAA becomes better and we want to give them a shot, whether it's Sean Reed Foley or Sam Gaviglio or, you know, Johnny who gives a shit coming out of AAA next year, Ross just goes to the pen. So my rotation is just going to be Stroman, Corbin, Baraki, Evaldi, Tyson Ross and whatever poo-poo platter of AAA guys has the ability to, you know, take the spot from him.
1: Justin. Cool. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm still going with Stroman and Sanchez number one two. Like as I mentioned before, like there's nothing wrong with Sanchez's arm. It's just been some freak, stupid finger stuff. That I don't want to talk about anymore. Um, yeah, my free my free agent pick this whole year has been Patrick Corman. I brought him up like. Maybe in episode two, when we talked about pitching, it might have been that early. It was pretty early in our in our three months of work here that I started talking about him. Um, He's having a great year in Arizona. I mean, he's he's probably like Patrick said he's looking at like around fifteen million. I I think you can get him closer for thirteen million a season. Um, He's currently making seven and a half, but he's having like he if if not for some great pitchers in the NL, he'd probably be in the Cy Young talk more than he is. Um we can't argue with the numbers. Patrick talked about his FIP and his ex FIP. He's getting nearly percent, nearly 50% of those ground balls, which I love and we love in the Rogers Center. The strikeout numbers have really gone up this year too, so there's something going on there. Um he's added a curveball to his arsenal. That's actually been a positive pitch for him. And the big thing for him is that with the added curveball, it's made his his uh slider, which was already elite, like it, his slider is, is nasty. Uh, and his fastball has jumped from a, a very negative value pitch to a very positive value pitch. We can talk about pitch value sometime in advanced stats, uh, but he his this curveball that's barely an average curveball has turned everything else for him into amazing pitches. So having that one extra, that fourth pitch in his arsenal has really improved him. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I want to sign him to about a five-year, $65 million deal Um Maybe a three-year deal with a couple of option years attached to it would be ideal for me. Charlie Morton's my pick for number four. He's 35 years old, uh, but that's what, kind of why I sign him. I'm kind of going for the opposite with Patrick, where I think we have one or two more years of kind of middling, which is why I want Corbin on that long-term deal, so that by the time we're ready to compete, he'll still be have a couple, two, three years left of of high-caliber baseball. With Morton, I'm thinking clearly on like a an interim basis. Uh, he's coming in... With some great numbers this season his, his FIP and his X Were both below 3.5 uh, He's another ground ball guy He's striking out 11 for 9 Giving up less than home run His best pitch is his curveball um, And he's added a cutter uh, To go on with his fastball and change He's making about 7 million bucks this year Could be had on a 2-3 year deal Probably worth about 9 million per He's coming from Houston He's got a World Series ring He's the kind of guy that you want around As a veteran to uh, mentor your young pitching staff He's been around. He knows how to win, and that's kind of why I want him there. Uh, and number five, I'd love to see my boy Sean Reed Foley. He's had a couple of rough starts. Um, he's never going to be the kind of guy who's going to get complete game shutouts. He's going to strike out a ton of batters over six, seven innings. Um, Panone's going to challenge for that spot. I I, I almost want to see him go, let's go after Matt Harvey. That's kind of who I'm looking at right now. Um, he's going to be looking for a chance at redemption. He was basically thrown out of New York with nothing but a suitcase and sent to Cincinnati where he's being serviceable, that ballpark is a hitter's paradise mm-hmm. at the Great American Ballpark. and He's done decent things there. Um, I think coming into a market where are the only team in the country and you've got young studs like Fly Jr. coming up could be enticing for Matt Harvey, who's still a young enough guy that he still has some time to figure his stuff out. Um, he's making about $5.5 million dollars per year at this moment and he's probably not looking at any more than that based on his performance this season and his past couple of years so I'd, I'd love to see us kind of just go after somebody some guys like that like a morton and a harvey who are kind of in opposite parts where morton's kind of getting towards the end of his career and harvey's trying to keep his going really what so do you think?
0: For, for my rotation i would want Matt Harvey as well. Matt Harvey is the name that I see as, we need another veteran guy in our rotation because our rotation is way too young right now. Mm -hmm. Even though Stroman and Sanchez have a lot of experience, they're still young and they need kind of like a babysitter, kind of like how David Price was for Stroman and Sanchez. The thing is, I want to have a hypothetical trade for Aaron Sanchez in the offseason. Sure. So I don't think that Sanchez would be in our rotation next year. But you know what? It gets a little complicated with that. So we're just going to say, okay, number one is Stroman. Number two is Aaron Sanchez. I say we sign Dallas Keuchel. I say we make a little bit of noise because I'm like Patrick, I am going for um, being contenders next season. I'm not going into next season thinking, okay, it's going to be another rebuild year, see how our youngsters do and see what we got. I think we should make some noise with our pitching rotation, and if our bullpen's going to be crap, we may as well get some good starters who can go deep. So I think Dallas Keuchel... I think his time's almost come to an end in Houston because Houston has Verlander and they got some other stars that have, because before Dallas Keuchel was Houston. I mean, when you thought of the Astros, you thought of Dallas Keuchel, you thought of his beard, he was kind of their face. He's kind of taken a step back. So I think that he might be looking for a little bit of a change of scenery. I know Houston's great and you might want to stay there, but I think we can make some noise getting Keuchel and having another good one, two, three. So, like, when Marco Estrada was pitching really, really well for the Jays, we had Stroman, we had David Price, we had Marco Estrada. Right. I think that Stroman-Sanchez, if Sanchez figures it out, and Dallas Keuchel could be a really, really good one,
1: two, three. What do you think about his contract? What would, you, what would the value be of See, that?
0: that's the thing. I would want to trade Aaron Sanchez and then maybe give more money to Dallas Keuchel. Okay. But again, that doesn't save us any money in the next two years because, again, Sanchez isn't making that much money right now. But long-term-wise, I think Keichel would get less than Aaron Sanchez is getting because Keichel's older, Sanchez has more potential, Keichel's – you already know what you're going to get in Keichel. Right. But I just think we should make some noise, get Dallas Keichel, and then I think after that we can keep Barucki and Sean Reed Foley. But for me, again, this is me thinking I think we should trade Aaron Sanchez (laughs) for another pitcher and some prospects and maybe some bullpen help. I think we can get a lot of people in return for Aaron Sanchez. But I think that we should sign that one big name as opposed to signing two kind of medium names, mm-hmm. like a Matt Harvey or someone else, you know? Yeah. I think we should go after one big name like a Dallas Keuchel and then keep the rest of our guys. I think sure. we would. I think that would just add a lot of spark to our pitching rotation if we just had one more guy instead of adding a couple more pieces and sending some guys or whatever. So if we are keeping Aaron Sanchez, go after Dallas Keuchel. If we trade Aaron Sanchez, maybe go after a guy like Matt Harvey. But cool. that's what I would do.
1: Yeah. See, I, I when I was typing up my list, I I put Dallas Keuchel in at my number four spot, and then I looked at they're predicting his average salary is going to be twenty million bucks. I know, See, uh, it'd be yeah, a little pricey. <laughs> that, that's I was typing. And I was like, ah, oh, Dallas Keichel would be a great fit with the Blue Jays, and I mm-hmm. like his average salary would be oh, uh, I know, I don't know if I like that. And he, his uh, Scott and Scott Boris is his agent, so you know he's going to get paid. Yeah, because that yeah. guy does nothing but get players paid. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I, I'd love to see Dallas Keuchel. He's he's 30. He seems to be past those injuries that kind of were an issue for him the last couple of seasons. And he's back to pitching very, very well again this mm-hmm. year. The The strikeouts and the walks are looking good again for him, which I do like a lot. I If we got Dallas Keuchel, I'd be pretty excited. Me too. Uh, he's kind of in. The, he's, well, yeah, he's, he's he's thirty right now. He's kind of in that same age range as as Patrick Corbin. So if we imagine if we could get both of those guys. We won't. We won't. But hypothetically, that would be pretty cool. <laughs> Me too.
0: Uh, last words, Patrick. You get them today.
2: Okay, so I like all of your guys' choices, but I the reason why I went super off road was number one not to be boring, uh, but number two I don't. Uh, my picks are kind of. They're meant to imply that the team isn't going to contend in the next year or two. I mean, obviously, Corbin would fit into the long-term plan. Players like Nathan Avaldi might. It's kind of us taking a flyer on him to see if he becomes more than what he is right now, which is, for lack of a better term, like a 28-year-old rookie who's maybe figured something out. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then Tyson Ross, who's obviously on the list as an inning eater, because I just don't see... Anybody else being able to pitch as well as what he is this year, next year, just because I, it's not that my faith in uh, Sean Reed Foley is like badly shaken. It's just maybe he, maybe he won't be ready next year. He's clearly not ready this year. So I want to throw it back to you guys as like just a last second question for you guys. How much longer do you think Sean Reed Foley is going to take to be 100% MLB ready and be competent?
0: I think he's MLB ready right now. It's just we forget he's a rookie.
1: Yeah,
2: He's a rookie right now,
0: and he's a pure rookie that didn't start the season with the team. He was a call-up. Call I think that Sean Reed Foley is a little better than we give him credit for. I think we harp on him a little bit too much. He's right. still young. He's still working on some stuff. Mm-hmm. But he, it looks like he belongs out there. He's got the look. But he does have to piece some things together. He does need a little bit better movement on his on his uh, off-speed stuff and his sliders and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I think he would be ready next year.
1: Yeah, see, I'm, kind of, I'm with you there. I, I've been a big uh, Sean Reed Foley advocate all throughout this season. Uh, him and Danny Jansen were guys that I wanted up kind of to start the year. Um, yeah, I, I think coming into a season and knowing he's going to be in that rotation come the opening day lineup – would be a big confidence boost for him because, like you said, getting called up as an injury fill-in, yeah, you're not expecting it, really, as a, as a, as a player. And at least if you know coming out of spring training that, yeah, this I'm on this team, mm-hmm. it's my spot to lose, you have a lot less pressure than if you're coming in and you're trying to make a name for yourself Agreed. late in the season on a losing team.
0: All right. That's it, friends. Uh, Thanks for listening to episode 13 of Batflips and Maple Dips. Uh, Special shout-out to, of course, Montana. Of (laughs) course, Madagascar. Of course, Siam, Croatia, Ireland. Uh, Wherever you listen, let us know because we're all over the internet machine. Uh, Facebook, at Batflips and Maple Dips. Uh, On Twitter and Instagram, at BFMD Podcast. SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play Music uh itunes you name it we're probably on it uh look us up give us a like give us a follow uh tell us your comments what you like what you dislike we can take chirps i mean we give them we can take them as well so uh yeah just make sure you follow us all over the place uh give us your feedback and uh as always next tuesday we'll see you then on behalf of patrick and justin have a good one